This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is an author, a journalist, a teacher, and a fifth-generation beekeeper. Her most recent work, The Honey Bus, tells the story of a girl growing up in a dysfunctional family who finds solace in learning about bees and beekeeping from her grandfather. For someone who works with bees, the rich details knitted into this memoir are both comforting and familiar. The smells and sounds of the hive and the emotional restoration that we find when we are working with our beloved insects. I read The Honey Bus over the summer after winning a copy of it and two jars of Honey Bus Honey from an Instagram giveaway from one of my favorite beekeepers, Rhoda Shope of Indigo Acres Apiary. It was only after I finished the book that I decided to invite our guest on for an interview. I was head to toe thrilled when she said yes. She was delightful to talk with and I think you will love her as much as I do. Meet Meredith May, author of The Honey Bus. This is Meredith. Hi, Meredith. This is Mandy. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So I did spend some time this morning listening to some of your other podcast interviews, and it's so cool that you were on the Beekeeping Today podcast. Yeah, you know, um, Kim? I've never met him, but, you know, sometimes he will pop up on Facebook as a friend suggestion. <laughs> He's really great. So should I click send friend request? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he would be a really fun one to have on your show too. He's been editor of that Bee Culture magazine since oh my god, the eighties or yeah. That's so incredible. I think that people that have been in beekeeping since before Varroa, the pre Varroa days, I think that they have such valuable insight. He's one of them for sure. Yeah, I, I'll ha- be happy to introduce you guys. Oh, that would be so cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Gosh, I I just, I first was introduced to your book uh, because I won a giveaway from oh. Indigo Acres on Instagram, and she was doing a giveaway for this book, and it also included two jars of your honey. And... She included a card and she said how this book resonated so much with her and really thought that I would enjoy it. And I did. And I think that one of the things that stood out the most was just that bees brought you a a way to heal some of the pain that you were experiencing. Exactly. And and that was such a almost an esoteric concept to convey. You know, that was one of the things I was concerned about with my book is like, is this just me like overthinking the bees or did they really do something for me? And then 
how do I convey that, and how do I convey it in a way that's not anthropomorphizing bees or being, you know, sort of, you know, woman-splainy to people <laughs> about yeah. bees. You know, it's like a fine line to find um, so that the reader figures it out for themselves, but, you wa- but you're kind of guiding them to figure it out, and you, you don't want them to know you're doing that. Do you think that non-beekeepers... Do you think that that was readily apparent to them once they got into the story? Well, at least the ones who tell me what, who talk to me, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the one, the one, the civilians, let's call them, <laughs> <laughs> who who read it, who don't get it or don't uh, like the book, just don't tell me. But um, the people that approach me, uh, who, you know, they say I, I want bees now. I had no idea that you know each bee has a different job, or they they just became really really fascinated that something that was in the category of like a bug that you swat away or step on mm-hmm. has a whole interior life going on and a whole set of responsibilities and a whole purpose and it you know it and I think there's a line in my book somewhere that says like if a bee is that fascinating what about a worm or a cricket or a you know yeah. amoeba or you can dive so deep and the world is like as big as an ocean in one little tiny bee it's amazing so i think i'm hearing from people that they um they're so funny they're like oh i didn't swat at a bee or i saw a bee in a swimming pool and i saved it you know <laughs> that they're now like helping me take care of bees and i think that's that's a huge win right there. Oh, you know, yeah. they know not to call the exterminator now. Yeah. When people ask what they can do to save the bees, what is your standard answer? Oh, I say plant wildflowers because it's easy, it's simple, and it's actually true. I mean, you know this, mm-hmm. that they need more forage and they need forage in unusual places, you know, like the medians of freeways or, um, know to break up the monoculture so like when I talk to little kids which is my favorite I always bring um, seed balls yeah you just toss and I turn the kids into like little gorilla native wildflower growers (laughs) and I'm like you know toss these in your neighbor's yard throw them out the window the back seat of the car as you're driving because they (laughs) love it you know like okay but that's what I tell people just and also, you know, call the beekeeper instead of the exterminator. That's the other thing people don't know. And I tell them every county has a beekeepers association with a list of dudes and gals who will rush out for free and get those bees and, yes. and save them. Mm-hmm. Is swarm catching very competitive where you live? Well, it's funny. I just moved from the Bay Area. To back to my hometown, Carmel Valley, I moved a month ago, and I'm actually in an area where I'm facing the backside of Garapata Canyon, so I'm exactly as a crow flies, 12 miles away from where my grandpa's apiary was. Oh, wow. I know, oh, right? Oh, can you just feel so it? poetic. Okay, I'll have to tell you the story. <laughs> we came to look at the house. My main request from my realtor was, I need land where I can put at least 10 beehives and the neighbors are not going to freak out. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so like the bees were the like the guiding our home search. So um, this property has 10 acres and there's, I, I can see my neighbors through the trees, but it's not like we're on top of each other, like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pulled up and we got out of the car and I could hear humming. There's so many native bees here. Oh, I could wow. hear them humming. It was like oh. this hymn. And I started, I looked at the mountain range that you can see from our property and I said, dang, Big Sur's on the other side of that. Isn't those mountains? The mountains are the Santa Lucia's. And I started weeping. And my realtor oh. said, oh, you don't like it. What's wrong? And I said, no, you have to get us this house. And she said, you haven't even stepped inside. I said, I don't care. <laughs> Okay. So anyway, it worked out. Um, and, you know, all I'm going to have to do is put out empty hives, and they're just going to come. There are tons of bees in my yard. But sure enough, the neighbors found out, you know, what I do, and there's a big valley oak tree that fell down and split, like, three or four doors down, and the, the trunk full of bees. Oh, oh my God. Yep. I know. So I'm going to wow. get them. I'm going to extract them. I've been doing research all yesterday and today, how to make your own vacuum. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So, I, yeah. I ended up, I made a BVAC last year and I just did the Home Depot bucket with the Home Depot shop vac attached yeah, to it. Yeah, the bucket head. Yeah. I just, ordered one yesterday okay my my little bit of advice would be to get a smooth hose if you can find one a smooth hose okay yeah because they're gonna get caught in the ridges yeah oh but that's so exciting so have you seen it yet have you seen photographs oh i went and looked at it it's beautiful it's like two feet long and a foot wide and it's exposed but they were just you know calm and they weren't flying around or making a buzz when I came up to them they're just it's gorgeous and I've never done a tree extraction before well I've I've done one I've only caught one swarm as a grown-up and it was just hanging a clump hanging from a branch I haven't had to like cut out the comb and put it in the empty frames and hold it in place with a rubber band. I'm, yeah. I don't know what I'm oh, getting myself Are you in. nervous? Yeah. <laughs> I, I bought a queen cage that looks like the hair clip. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, so I can hopefully get her out safely. And yeah. I have a question. I have a BVAC question. Can I okay. interrupt yes. what we're doing? Yes. Okay. Uh, I saw online that the, Everyone says the suction is way too hard. You're just going to splatter yes. the bees. Mm-hmm. You have to carve a big hole about the size of a doorknob in the side of the bucket mm-hmm. and put screen over it and then put tape over it and yeah. then remove the tape to slow down the suction. Is that what you did? So I used a piece of paper that I would just hold on the bucket with my hand. That way I could watch the suction and okay. adjust it just really easily. And I even put a towel down on the bottom of the bucket so that the bees wouldn't slam into, like, hard plastic at the bottom. Okay. And I only have used it one time. And I was doing a swarm catch, and the bees were in this 
dried up dead Japanese maple like bush and they were in the very center of it and wrapped around the tree trunk and the only way that I could reach them was with this BVAC and I had gotten not quite half of them vacuumed up yet and then all of a sudden all of the rest of the bees lifted up off of the bush and went flying down the street (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> I guess the queen took off. Yeah, and so I was hoping that they would land, and what I should have done was open the bucket and let the rest of the bees out, but I wasn't, I was just so caught up in, like, right. being mystified that they were just flying off, and so I was walking under the swarm down the street, I followed them about a block and a half, and then they disappeared over some rooftops. And there was one point where it looked like they were going to land in a reasonable spot that I could totally reach, and then they just went back up and left. So I had all these um, orphan bees left in the bucket, and I ended up just combining them with another Combining them. But, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That I yes, it's it's like you're Winnie the Pooh, right? You know, <laughs> going down the street trying to get yes. your bees. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're you're on the right track doing a, a bee vac for the extraction. I did a cutout one time that was in the wall of somebody's house, but it was a abandoned house, and the city was going to tear it down, and there was no electricity, so I couldn't use my bee vac, and so I had to cut all the combs out with the bees on them. And it just made it take a lot longer. The bees were fine. They didn't sting or they didn't seem angry or anything. But I think it just would have been a lot easier without them in the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a good excuse to get a bee vac set up just in case you need one. But yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm going to take a video. I'm going to put it all over my, um, honey bus, you know, social stuff. I hope it goes well. I'm going to put it out if it goes well. (laughs) If it doesn't go well, no one's going to see it. (laughs) No, you'll do awesome. And it'll, so this will be the, will be the first hive going into your new yard? Yeah, because I thought I would wait till spring and just catch some swarms. But, you know, I think Grandpa, like, cracked open this tree because this tree (laughs) fell, like, not long before I moved in. I moved in August 15. So the earth just, like, opened up and gave me bees. It's wild. It's your housewarming gift. Yes. But here's the other ish. Uh... I can't bring them to my house because I only live like four doors down. So they'll just fly back to the tree. So I had to call some friends who live nearby and see if they can babysit a hive for a week or two. (laughs) And then I'll bring them back. (laughs) I bet they were happy to do it. Yeah, yeah. I called a friend of mine who's got a a son who's like 12. And I thought that would be perfect. Super cool. Opportunity. Oh, do you find that your friends get really excited at any opportunity to help support your work with the bees? Some do. You know, some are really interested, but they don't have the space or time for a hive, so they like to come just with me when I check my hives. Mm-hmm. More often, it's they're interested in the honey, and (laughs) (laughs) which is fine for me because I put them to work when it's time to spin, and they think it's really cool and interesting, but most of them only do it once, 
<laughs> like, okay, check that off the list of yeah. activities. But I have a couple friends who are really into it, and they want to be invited anytime there's a harvest. Oh, that's great. You have yeah. a really nice honey extractor. I was reading your blog, and I saw the, the photo. You wrote, wrote a post about it. Don't I? I... <laughs> brag about that thing every month. (laughs) It was very expensive and it was made in Italy and I had to wait for months to get it because I ordered it in July and apparently in Italy, uh, Italy shuts down in like August and and most of September. (laughs) What? It's like, you know, European. I don't know. Like vacation. (laughs) Um, It had to come on a ship and da-da-da. But the reason I got it is because it goes in reverse. It's the only one I've ever found that goes in reverse. So you don't have to take every frame out, flip it around, and then do it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So I love it. It's like, you know, when I got my first check from the honey bus, that's what I bought. I bought honey spinner. Oh, <laughs> it's honey money. It's honey money. I thought it was appropriate. That's how I justified the expense, yes. Do you feel like with environmental changes and more stressors on the honeybees, do you find that they produce less honey than they used to? I would assume that that is true. Um, But here's the thing. I was a beekeeper as a kid, and then I didn't pick it up again until I was like, you know, 43. So I don't, and and my grandfather was doing it down here, which is like a beautiful, unmolested open space mm-hmm. uh, covered in sage, I, and there were no mites back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I would just assume, even given that, um, it's it's harder for bees to thrive, just in general, with mm-hmm. all the toxins we've put into the environment. And and I'm not just blaming agriculture and the almond industry for that. It's also, you know, you and me and, and Joe down the street putting Roundup on our plants or painting our lawns green or whatever silly junk we're doing and, and paving over everything as well. Um, yeah. So I would imagine, yeah, and, you know, also with climate change, there's not as much water for the some flowers that can't even make nectar anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's coming at the bees from all sides, right? Yes, but poor babies. I know, but the encouraging thing is that everybody knows this now. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, and everyone's con- concerned about it, at least everywhere I go. And they all yes. want, there's a lot of eagerness to get involved, whether it's, you know, getting a hive yourself or, throwing those seed balls or just you know, spreading the word that, hey, why don't you plant native pollinator-friendly plants instead of, you know, European roses in your yard? Right. And, and people are starting to make better small choices here and there. And um, I think, you know, it's the same concept as a hive. Like we each do one little bit and it makes it better for the for the whole. Yeah. So I, I, I'm really encouraged by all the science, all the scientists who are trying all sorts of things to breed mite-resistant bees or and all the activism, especially in Europe, to ban 
neonicotinoid um, yeah. pesticides Ugh. and herbicides. I mean, there's it's so much going on. I hope we get there here in the United States. I hope we mm-hmm. get to that point, but it just feels like such a huge battle with a government that is willing yep. to enable these companies. Yeah, we need <laughs> we better leadership. We could totally go off on that. That's a whole other thing. But I'm really curious about your time where you weren't keeping bees. And I wonder if you always had a sort of uh, pang in your heart or felt like you needed to get back to having bees again or working with them. Yeah. I mean, I left home for college in, uh, in Oakland, and then after college, I stayed in the Bay Area. So, and I, you know, I was a renter, and I lived in small places, and, you know, never a place where you can put bees. So it was out of the question, but I, you know, I remember meeting beekeepers here and there, or, you know, I was always kind of trying to do stories that would put me in the path of beekeepers when I was at the uh, (laughs) newspapers and the San Francisco Chronicle. And I remember distinctly, I pitched a story on something like beekeepers in the city or something like that. And I, I was, I had such a pang in my heart going to these rooftops, these little community gardens and interviewing beekeepers and, and they would be explaining bees to me. And I, I'd say, oh, I know, I used to do it. I, used, you know, I'd start talking about myself more than interviewing them, and <laughs> it just, I felt like so envious. And uh, the thing that happened is my grandpa's health started failing, and he was, he couldn't lift the supers when they were full of honey anymore. So he was in his 80s, and he had to retire after 70 years of beekeeping. Wow. And he was so sad and it just, his whole personality changed. And so I thought, okay, I some way, somehow have to start beekeeping and then he can mentor and counsel me and that will sort of revive him. And so uh, coincidentally, um, an editor at the Chronicle was already lobbying to get bees on the roof of the building. And so I joined her effort and (laughs) after a year we got the green light and then that's how I started again. But when when they arrived and we were transferring them into their empty hives on the roof, we had a big crowd of coworkers gathering and photographing. And when I held them again, oh my God, Mandy, the I felt their vibration, and I just started weeping, like lost it in front of everybody at work. And it, oh my God, what's going on with this? Like why, you know? And then that's when I. I mean, I'd always been tinkering around with the book, but that's when I kind of understood what the heart of the book was. It's my how I feel safe and the sense of love around these stinging insects that scare most people. <laughs> yes. Now, did your coworkers, did they have any, like, insight on your childhood or what working with bees meant to you growing up? Um, They knew that I knew something about it. They knew Mm -hmm. that um, my grandpa was a big beekeeper in Big Sur. And um, they were just thankful that somebody on the staff knew something about bees because nobody (laughs) else did. (laughs) And they're like, great, Meredith, you can... (laughs) 
you can be in charge. Um, and I wanted to be, so it was, it was perfect. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think they understood how emotional bees were for me. I mean, how, how could anybody, you can't really explain that in a sentence, Mm -hmm. but being around them again was making me remember how bees were like my surrogate parents. And, and they were, all these memories were, were becoming stronger about what grandpa would talk to me about. He would tell me stories about how bees solve problems when we'd be inside his honey bus harvesting. As I got to be an adult, I realized, wait a minute, he wasn't just like talking to me about scout bees and how they find new homes. He was trying to teach me that someday I'll have my own home and maybe the home I have right now isn't doesn't feel good, but it won't always be that way, that people change homes, just like bees. You know, and I didn't get it until I was older, being an adult beekeeper. Like, oh, that's why he was talking to a seven-year-old kid like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very wise. So I think when my coworkers read my book, now they're contacting me like, oh, I had no idea. You know, now I get it. Wow. You know, why these these are so important to you. When I watched the Honey Bus trailer on your website, I got tears because it was just so beautiful. Hmm. Good. I made yeah. you cry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> the um, producer of that, it was my teaching assistant for my podcasting class. Um, Jesse Rosen is an incredible videographer, podcaster, everything. So he and I teamed up and he just hit it out of the park. And the music too. That was a nice touch. (gasps) Yeah, that was like the, um, the, what do they call that? Free royalty music. Yeah. So much time trying to pick just the right one that wasn't too (laughs) on the nose, but emotional yeah yeah and so that was something that I didn't know about you was that you do have a background in um teaching podcasting I know (laughs) so when you told me that I thought oh my god I better be on point for this (laughs) I know I was trying to scare you yeah <laughs> I love podcasts. I was I was a really early adopter and um I well I graduated from Mills College and I taught there as an adjunct just one class a semester just really for fun. It just kept, sort of kept me fresh and and I started I did this for a dozen years and I started teaching uh journalism just straight print and then when uh cell phones had good video capability. I started teaching video journalism and a little bit of audio, but I've always loved audio. And um, I think it's in my family. My my dad is a, a DJ. He's retired from his mechanical engineering job, and he um, has his own jazz show at the community college in Maryland near his house. <laughs> He's got a great radio voice, and he's like Rain Man about jazz. And um, he puts together his playlists, and he has Desert Island Jazz with Dave May, you know. And it's great. And I've just, I've always liked listening to radio, listening to podcasts. I've I've loved, you know, being interviewed on radio and podcasts. It's just really, really fun. I think that 
perhaps I should have gone into that audio instead of print, but it's never too late. Yeah, I know, huh? It's never too late. <laughs> but it's fun, so you know. If you could start a podcast today, what would it be about? Mm. Wow. You know, I like the fictional podcasts. Um, oh. I like, like, let's see, what Homecoming when Catherine Keener was the voice on that one. It got turned into a movie with Julius uh, Roberts. Um, it was a fictional story about soldiers with PTSD who were going to a health oh, center, but it was actually right. evil government plot to extract their, I don't know, their brains or something. <laughs> yeah. I like the fictional ones, which is really strange for me coming from journalist background, but um, there's one with the horror of Dolores something. It was like a Sweeney, Sweeney Todd type <sighs> story. Um, it, I just, they're, they're like ridiculous and fun and all the voices. And um, I think I would attempt a fictional one. Not an interview okay. one, not a just just to do something different. Yeah. Well, I'll be keeping tabs on you. I'm looking out <laughs> for your new podcast. <laughs> I would yeah, it would that would be super, super fun. Um, I have a friend who does a really funny one called Spice Cabinet and he goes to your house and he gets you to open your spice cabinet and <gasps> look in there and then talk about uh your feelings. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> based on what you have and, and the stories behind them. Oh, my God. I'm going to listen. That sounds incredible. And then I'm going to be analyzing my own spice cabinet. Do you think that beekeepers should be paid for the work that they do? Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I asked this because um, somebody contacted me recently to do a similar extraction. Now, these people are not my neighbors, I had no connection to them prior to this phone call. They were doing a road widening project. They were the the people that were taking down the trees. So they were hired by the county to do it. And the one of the trees that they took down, when it fell, it broke open and there were honeybees living inside. Uh-huh. But they, I, I basically told them what it would take to get the bees out of the tree and how long it would take and like explain the whole process and then I asked them who was going to be paying for it and they looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> they were like nobody's paying for it I said well, what do you mean this is going to take two days because I have right. to be here all day today and then come back tomorrow to get the remainder and it's basically yeah. performing surgery and it was another one of those places where there was no electricity close by so I'd be doing it with the bees on the comb um and that just that made me really mad because they just said well but you'd be getting the bees and while I'm happy to go on swarm catches and and gather swarms at no cost this is like different mm -hmm. it's a yeah. different skill level it's a different level of intensity and takes a lot more time and I just thought man do you get would in exchange for your work <laughs> you know right um yeah i i think that you know think about this if they called in an exterminator to get those bees they pay the exterminator no questions asked yeah. 
Yeah. I think so. that because we're beekeepers, we're sort of the superheroes and we're coming in and we're saving the day out of the goodness of our hearts and yes it we're doing this work because we love it and we want to help the bees and the environment at the same time we're doing something that's highly specialized oh, right. an emergency service um and i i just it, that really struck a nerve for me when they just said nobody's paying for it and so did you say, well, um, thank you very much, but I'm busy? Yeah, I said, well, sorry. Good luck finding somebody who can do this today, right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good for yeah. you. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, they never called me back. <laughs> well, and also, you know, I'm going to say, especially women, I think, get that more than men do. And yeah. um, I think uh, us lady beekeepers have to stick together and demand to be treated like working humans who mm-hmm. you know need to make a living just like everyone else yeah. so yeah you know if it's an easy extraction and it's a friend or it's a neighbor or it's your first time and you're so excited about it or whatever sure yeah, totally different it's totally, totally different, different. Yeah. but they're calling you in to do a huge messy operation that hot and then it's going to take you days it's going to, you know how much is two days of your nine to five worth right and then and I, I had my out. kids with me mm-hmm. when I went because it was summer vacation and it's like you know what am I going to do with these guys pay somebody to babysit them um it was just it was just a really weird thing so after that when I I went and talked to a local beekeeping association, I brought that up and I was like, you guys, we got to stop giving ourselves away because what we do has tremendous value. Yeah. I'm just thinking what would be good handy is if you typed up an invoice of how much it costs you to do it, like supplies, time, whatever, and then just passed it around at those meetings and said, here's a starting point, you know, or, oh, or email that idea. to people who want to want you to just top skip over there and get the bees. Yeah. You can tell them, yeah, pay me, but I'll give you, I'll give you honey when the bees make honey, but that's also work. <laughs> right. And it's like, if they survive, you know, because I don't know what your bee season down there is. You might be a little bit more extended, but I'm in Oregon, um, up in Portland and, like right now, the weather is just garbage. It's pouring rain every day. It's cold. So mm-hmm. to do it, it, it just the bee season is just about over for us. Right, and wasn't wasn't well. Seely on your show was just saying like after June, pretty much swarms have a twenty percent chance of of making yeah. it. Well, it's not a swarm, but. Yeah, re- like remove bees. Yeah, and like they would have to repair the comb and probably re, you know, restore all that honey that they had stored up because um, it probably yeah. would break. So I don't know. I love Tom Seeley. I'm Me so glad too. you listened to that episode. Um, I was just totally gobsmacked that I got to spend that time with him in my backyard when my podcast was such a baby. I mean, I had only I had only been doing it for a month or two when I recorded that episode and then I sat on it for months before publishing. 
because it was just such a big deal to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's I loved Honeybee Democracy. There's a lot of his work uh or uh, through the sen- you know underneath the sentences in my book. Mm-hmm. I mean, he I have a in the back uh, a bibliography of all the books that were helpful for me when in writing and his is right up there. I I think I read it or he has a lot, but I read Honeybee Democracy like four times. I just couldn't believe it. Oh. <laughs> but he's so generous, right, with his time he, and he He is. And like soft spoken and gentle and curious. I think that was one of the things that struck me the most about him was that here he is, a world leading expert in honeybee biology, and yet he is still curious he's still asking questions and is still i think enchanted by honeybees yep even though he's been at this for such a long time it's just amazing yeah i hope i always have that excitement and enchantment with honeybees even when you know if if, even when i'm an old lady (laughs) you will you will because i mean we keep learning as a society, we keep learning more about them every single year. Like, there's new fascinating stuff. I mean, I think the new area that everyone's excited about is propolis and, and learning that it's kind of like uh, health insurance or like social oh medicine, right? Because yes. it's got all these antibacterial properties, so they shellac the hive and it keeps them healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's not just keeping the wind out. It's like like their their medicine too yes so i have these um insulated hive roofs that i built and the the inner layer that comes into contact with the tops of the frames is canvas and the propolis is just thick like taffy on it and mm-hmm. i imagine in the winter time when that condensation builds up even though there's a little bit of a top entrance to vent off some of that moisture I imagine that propolis absorbing some of that and just getting really soft and then just not a full on mist, but raining that medicinal medicinal propolis drops back down on the bees. Oh, brilliant. So your your cover is lined inside with canvas. Yeah, sort of like a ware, um, but these are Langstroth hives. But, you know, ware hives, they have that canvas... Um, top on them and then the insulation box and then the lid but Mm. these lids have an upper entrance built into them they have the insulation chamber but the the thing separating the insulation and the bees is this bit of canvas and they just cover it and it doesn't lay directly on top of the frames there's bee space there for them to so they could still crawl on top of the frames mm-hmm. but they have put so much propolis on it and i really think that that's part of why they've been able to overwinter and why they're just generally really healthy colonies so i i, I want to make more for my other beehives but i'm worried that there's not enough time in the season left now for them to get a good amount of propolis built up because i waited too long but these it's always a race against time right Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, propolis, don't scrape it. Oh, it's been so fun talking with you. I love it. It's been great geeking out. You know, like five or six years ago, I was looking for beekeeping podcasts and I couldn't find 
any. There was like one from England and it just was like rambly and it, I don't know, it wasn't very good. And, uh, yeah. but now there's like you and there's Kim Flautum and there's, there, there's choices now. It's great. Oh, thank you, Meredith, so much for your time today. It's been wonderful getting to know you and talking about bees and your wonderful book and your story. Yeah, and I love Portland. I, I come up there at least once a year. I have a lot oh. of friends up there. So next time I come, I'll shoot you a little tea and see if you can go get some tea yes. or something. Yeah, or do some beekeeping if the weather's good, any good. Yes. <laughs> um, That would be incredible. Great. Okay. Well, you have a good, that's not weekend yet. You have a good day. Good <laughs> midweek. You. you too. Okay. And uh, I'll be looking out for stories on your colony extraction and sending oh, you good yeah. vibes. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're going to do great. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. Maybe it'll, yeah. I hope it's going to go well. <laughs> we'll see. It is. It is. You'll do wonderful. Your grandpa's going to be right there with you. Thank you. I did. Yes. <laughs> You're so, so right. Oh. All right. Okay. Talk soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about Meredith, you can find her online at MeredithAMay.net, where you can watch the book trailer that made me cry actual tears, read her blog, and find links to purchase her books. If you've been enjoying the show, consider leaving us a review or liking and sharing on social media. You can also find Beekeeper Confidential online at beekeeperconfidential.com where you can send in questions or ideas for the show and join our community forum. I have some really exciting interviews coming up and I wish I could hit fast forward so we could hear them right now, but I can't. So until next time, may the buzz be with you. Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.